across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. What's up, Rockstar Nation? It is Wednesday. Hope you are well. I am actually calling or recording this from the Omaha, Nebraska airport. Just spent five glorious days with Jeff Cohn and Omaha's elite team. Man, he's really got something here. He... He's got it figured out, man. We we basically discuss the three types of teams. Just to give you a little brief rundown on this, there's three types of teams. There's a community team, which is basically a team of, you know, a bunch of agents that get together and share expenses. So they're really not a true team. They're like a bunch of individuals that happen to be together and share expenses. That would be what he calls a community team. Then he calls something else a rock star team. And a rock star team, not to take off of my uh, podcast name, Rockstar, but a rock star team is basically some an agent who's in production, right? Who's listing houses, may be working with buyers, may not be working with buyers, but a good portion of the commission income is them, and um, and also has other agents. That would be the rock star model and then the third model is the ceo model which is basically where the agent is just the ceo and doesn't do production at all and i think that most teams uh, fall under the rock star category definitely i would say i would have to guess 85 percent of teams fall on the rock star i've seen very few teams that actually fall under the the community one maybe some brokerages that open up i know there's one in frederick maryland called team real estate or something like that and that's that would fall under that i guess but that would really be a brokerage not a team um maybe partners someone who does a partnership would be a team would be a community team that would be the first one so anyways the the ceo is really a kind of what gary keller would would call the seventh level right where you're completely out of production and you're just the ceo and if you needed to you could replace yourself with a couple hundred grand of salary and then just take profit off it so that would be the true ceo and jeff's got this figured out to a science and he's rocking it with it i i'm really impressed i i got to sit down and i interviewed every single uh, major player on his team i got to sit down and uh just uh shoot the crap with him and uh, learn all about the details and meet all his head people and boy it was a good time so anyways we got the footage now i just got to put it together and back home to folly beach for me where i continue to work on the listing one that i'm putting together so again i apologize if i say this too much but uh if you are interested just send me an email rockstar rockstar at hybin.com rockstar at hybin.com both of these products coming out in the future i'll give you 50 percent off uh just mention 50 percent off in the email before i have to charge marketing fees because marketing fees in the digital space actually run 50 percent so i'm going to just cut that commission out and give it to anybody that signs up ahead of time so anyways Enough being said, you know, on a sad note, Bob Sekoler, who was on on Monday, and I didn't realize this till last night, 
his wife died. His wife died, unfortunately, from breast cancer a couple of days ago. Yeah, the funeral was yesterday. And, you know, we were promoting his podcast on Monday. And got an agent that uh, follows us on Facebook just said, Hey, Pat, FYI, I know you're putting Bob's uh, show out there, blah, blah, blah. And I want to let you know his wife just passed away. And the funeral was today at the time of the email. And um, I was like, wow, holy dirt. I had no clue. Evidently, she had cancer. She beat it, came back. They thought that she'd be able to beat it again. And I guess and, and, and it was all of a sudden it was extremely rapid. And and she passed. And, and, and I had no idea. And certainly Bob didn't have any inclination of it on the show uh, when we recorded it. Maybe it all happened since we recorded it. I don't know, but uh, please uh, pray for Bob's family. I I sent him my condolences through the website, through his uh, condolence website. If you know Bob or you met Bob in the future or you want to send your condolences, please say, Bob, listen, you know, my condolences. You don't know me, but I heard your podcast on Pat's show on Monday, and I wanted to let you know that um, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you and your family. So I hope Bob is... um, doing okay sad guys we just don't know when we're gonna get tapped on the shoulder do we some scary stuff so anyways uh don't mean to down everybody out but uh he was one of our guests and definitely one of our rock stars so with that being said let's move on to this week's call we got a great call today we got a great just tons of rock solid advice i am bushed i'm ready to go pass out in the airplane seat and i'll be nice and fresh for you guys on uh, friday so have a great wednesday have a great week and keep on rocking guys okay rockstar nation we have a great guest today mr jason stockwell from remax results in minneapolis minnesota and he is killing it out there and let's let's uh, get some nitty-gritty from him and find out what he's doing to make him so so successful jason welcome to pat hyman interviews real estate rockstars hey pat thanks for having me i'm excited and appreciate you having me on the show why don't you uh give our audience a little bit of information on you jason so we can get to know you better uh, well, I married, have three kids, five years old, four years, four year old, six month old. Uh, I like boating, golfing, uh, the stuff you do here in Minnesota. And I have a team of uh, eight agents, four administrative assistants, and I was licensed, started in 2004 on a t- team as a team member for uh, Remax team at that time. So. So, so that's interesting. So, uh, all right, well, give us an idea, first of all, what your numbers look like. How many houses did you sell last year? Uh, last year, uh, as a team, we did 257. Okay. And uh, what was your average sale price? Just over 200000 All right. And uh, what was your GCI on that 257? So I, the team structure we have is a little different. So the team members get probably a little more than the other team leads, you know, uh, which I'm working on. But I listen to other podcasts <laughs> and I hear hear what people say and what they do and how they're running there. So I'm always learning, you know, and trying to get better. And But for me, so I just look at my personal on it and it was 950, right around 950. Okay, so 950 is what, what was the gross or that was what netted to you or, or after commissions gross. or what? That was the gross? 
get all in, it would have been about one four if it was the whole team. Okay, so one one four with the whole team, then nine fifty was after commissions, and then what was what were your expenses? Another thing I got to work on. I'm always learning, like I said, but uh, I had probably actually they did my taxes, so I have three eighty. I think it was three eighty three three eighty five or so in uh, expenses. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, that the tax. So many people use so many different ways to calculate their profit, and you know, at the end of the day, the tax returns are the way to the no bullshit way to save how much money you're making. So I, <laughs> I appreciate is. you it being is. candid with that. Yeah, the tax return. So, and it's still really good. It's still the top. You know, we have four tiers of taxes here in Minnesota, and it's the top tier. I learned they added the fourth tier a few years ago, and it's still really good. But there's much room for improvement on that. But I operate more in a um i understand how i would operate so i try to put that in place for my team members because my team members are fairly independent they're not just solely like i'm not just the sole provider for them they go out and do their own things so that's why they should be able to make i try to get them to get up into the you know high close to hundred thousand or over is the goal for everybody so yeah yeah i mean you'll have great if you could have agents making a hundred grand uh you can usually keep them and and, and they and don't burn out happy. as yeah. quick and they stay they stay my experience has been they stay longer because i've i started the team back in oh i went through craig proctor seminars and i signed up and i was under his coaching for two years and i started the team then and i lost I just burned through agents, just <laughs> burned through agents, burned a lot of bridges, you know, that are, we're friends now, but you know, I wish some of them, I just wish I would have held them longer. could have, could have figured out or had some flex in my flex in my system that would have kept them cause they would have stayed. And I probably would have made a ton more money, uh, just through them or with them at that time, you know? So but, what did you do wrong? What can we learn from that? Uh, the, that there's no, I was a hardliner, you know, I mean, there's, you know, you got a good rock star agent who's who you who kind of was down in the dumps or is down in the dumps, and you bring them to life by providing them and showing them systems and showing them how they can succeed and going on a couple appointments with them, getting that confidence. It's all confidence. So they're getting the confidence up, and then boom, they believe now that they can sell. So then they start selling, they get into bigger deals, they're doing more deals, and you're in you're you're getting or I'm getting half or a little more than half of what they're getting. And they'll come and say nicely, oh, well, can we maybe do a little different system? And my answer was, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no way. This is how it is. It's, it's just how it is. I do this. This is why. And that's it. Don't come back and ask again. And two weeks later, the broker calls and says, oh, well, they're requesting to go on their own. And, you know, then what do you do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then exactly. I'm, like kicking, so, so then I'm you, kicking myself. <laughs> so what do you do to avoid that? I mean, how do, isn't that the natural American way, essentially, is just, you know, ask for more money, grow? You know, how do you how do you maintain and keep talent now uh, differently than you did in the beginning? It's difficult now, too, especially with the market the way it's going. It's very difficult to keep talent because it's easier to sell, you know, stuff is selling. So you don't, you know, it's not as hard as it was back in the recession, but what you, what uh, I've done is just listened number one to the request. And I don't respond instantaneously like I did before. <laughs> Think about it for a day, two days, just go over the numbers, assess their production and what they're doing and see what my goal is like with them and see how, if they're loyal, like, Hey, is this a person that really is out there, 
going to bat every day and I could see and see that they are loyal and would be loyal for a long time. And maybe that extra 5% or that extra 10%. And I know some team leads out there are probably cringing right now at the thought of that, but uh, cause you start the slippery slope of doing, you know, you don't want to start that either, but um, that extra little bit will hold them. And as long as you hold, can it, can hold firm on that. And if they keep coming back over and over again, then like this happened to me uh, six months ago, you just got to let them go. Because they're better off that way, and it's better for you because they're not valuing your you and your system, right? And point. and eventually they they keep talking, and whether directly or indirectly, they almost start like a union type activity. I remember I yes, had an agent that exactly that would bitch and complain, and then the other agents would hear it, and they kind of felt like she was trying to bring them into this union where they all were going to come ask for better splits together. Yeah. And, uh, and you have yeah. a coup and then everybody, and then everybody, you know, so you got to do it delicately and there's a bunch of different, so I was uniform too before where I said a blanket rule, right? So I said, this is the pay structure. I don't care if you sell a hundred houses or you sell five houses. This is the pay structure. And I talked to my broker at length and he said, Hey, we're all about equality and all that stuff, but not everybody's equal. No one is equal. He said, I treat people, John Colopy is his name, he's an awesome broker here at REMAX Results, but he said, I treat people fairly, not necessarily equally. And fairly means if someone's selling 300 houses a year and, you know, you talk to them and working with them, you're maybe going to do treat them fairly or differently than you would someone who sells five houses a year. And so that just makes sense, financial sense, economic sense, it make, you know, everything makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so, fairly, not, um, I love that, fairly, not equally. Really, I mean, is it fair that someone's selling 300 houses or, or let's say in a, in a team, is it fair that someone's selling four houses a month uh, is treated the same way someone's selling one house every two months? And when you answer that question, is it fair? No, it's not fair, right? No, no, it's not. And they're probably working a lot harder, right? I mean, some people, granted, you know, we're highly, I, I'm highly motivated, highly competitive. I love getting listings. I lost one yesterday. It was devastating. It actually ruined my night, but I got <laughs> over it quickly. But or I'm trying, I'm getting over it now today, but um, not everybody's that competitive. Team leads typically are. We're wanting to grow, expand, but sometimes agents are happy selling one house every two months. They don't need to do more. Some of them want to sell four or five a month. Some of them you're going to lose anyway if you're a team lead because they're just like you. They're that motivated. They're like me when I started on a team. I knew I didn't want to be on a team always, but it was a way I had to start because I didn't know anything. You know, and that's kind of what that's the give and take of it, and that's the reality of it. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you shared that uh, experience uh, just a second ago because I want to ask you about that because. Back when I was selling, I think that if, if you had to ask me, what was the one thing, like the one thing about real estate that you absolutely hated about the business? I would say the way that I beat myself up and the way that I obsessed over losing competitive uh, listing opportunities, right? And they just they would just eat me alive to the point where like it, it would make me sick and I, and I just hated it. How do you get over that? How do you become more of an automaton where you're like, next, 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 I'm not worried about this? What do you do? Well, so you, you're not going to win everybody, number one. And we talked about that prior to the show, Pat. It's great. You, you know, you don't win everything, but even though you want to. But what it's such a blessing. Me losing that listing that I thought I had, I sold 
her mother, her, it's a husband and wife. And I sold her mother's house. It's closing here in a couple of weeks. And the mother had the daughter call me, her daughter call me. And I met her and her husband and I go on the appointment. I'm thinking this in my head, this is done. This is just slam dunk referral. And, and then at the end when we're, I said, okay, are we ready to move forward and get the property, get everything started? And they said, Oh, hold on time out. We are interviewing a couple of other agents. Mm. I'm like, whoa, 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 okay. And again, stuff that I would have probably prepped for prior had it not been, in, you know, so it's, so I learned probably 10 valuable lessons from that, which is one, do the same prep work as if it was a cold person that you would never would have known. Yes. I should have done that. I would have asked if they're interviewing other agents. I would have asked when they're interviewing other agents. I would have scheduled a two step appointment then instead of a one step where I would have come back and made sure I was at the end for the second appointment of oh, everybody. Wow. Okay, so wait a minute. Um, keep going, keep going, but I want to come back to that. Keep and going. I, and I would have gone in way, way more prepared as far as, you know, finding out more about them. I would have, you know, there's a lot of, uh, and then the other thing I would have done is not necessarily leverage that relationship because it turns out that even though she loved me, the daughter of the mother, of the lady that I sold the house of, he is the end all be all decision maker in their relationship. Some relationships have the, you know, the wife yeah, decides everything, yeah, some yeah. The husband. He decides everything. I didn't know that. Mm. I'm in the appointment. I'm talking. It's almost as if her and I are having a dialogue and he's a very quiet, reserved individual. And he is sitting there and I, he, I'm looking back now. I'm like, he was wanting to probably engage or he was maybe studying me and watching and he maybe didn't feel like he was being involved when he is in fact the main decision maker now. In retrospect, I found that out through the mother when I called her and said, Hey, I didn't get it. Wow. And she shared with me that yes, he makes all decisions just so tons of, uh, little lessons. tons of things that you go, go through your mind. So, so let, let's talk about that two step. Okay. So do you do all your, li- if you want a listing, right? If you want a listing and you're serious about getting it, do you always do a two stepper? No, no, I don't always. I, it depends upon, I, I hate to say it cause I don't want people to think anything's lesser value or anything like that. But if it's a higher end or a marketplace where it's very unique or there's a lot of, there's a huge valuation fluctuation, then it's more warranted to do a two-step. And if they're interviewing other agents, it's more warranted because then you can be the last one in there. And, um, I wasn't the last one, coincidentally, they went with the last person, mm. you know, it's just part of the, you know, we all hear about that little tip, yeah, but yeah. they got it. Uh, but if it's in, let's say, a uh, an area where all the homes are one and a half story, or we have a lot of forties, you know, post-war houses here in certain neighborhoods and cities, and they're all very similar and you can gauge within, you know, 8%, the highest and the lowest value home of that side, you know, you can go in there then and do a one-step, uh, appointment and, and it depends upon the client too, if they're super ultra busy. I mean, there's all kinds of factors, but I typically uh, don't do two-step unless it's a very unique situation in the high valuation difference, or there's competitive situation where I'm not the last. If so, I set myself up, if I know it's competitive going in, I will automatically set myself up as the last. You will. So what's the script? <laughs> yeah. What's the script for that? So if they're say, so they'll either a lot of people will openly tell you because they don't want you to think that. Yeah. You got it. So they'll just tell you right up the front, right up front that they're interviewing other agents. And then what do you say? And then you say, Oh, great. What what time frame or what 
what's your schedule for interviewing other agents? And they'll say, oh, over this next week, or they could say the next three days, I'm, I'm just boom, 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 getting yeah. them all done. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, can you go on Tuesday? And you kind of don't want to, it just depends on the client too. If you want to be, you can be open or just say right up front, hey, when is the last one or when's your last appointment? That's an easy one to say and say, hey, when's your last appointment? And so they say Wednesday at six. And then, yes, and you say, oh, can we, can I, come in on Thursday at 10 a.m. Is that possible? And then if so, if they tell you directly when their last one is, it's great. If they're calling you first and they haven't called the other ones, that's when it's tricky. And I don't know how to quite master that yet. So maybe someone else can. Well, that, that's maybe when that, you just, just go and then you two-step them, right? They're that's like, exactly oh, yeah. right. You're right, Pat. That's exactly right. That's where you go. You don't know. And then you plan on the two-step because you can find out when at the end. Oh, I know you're interviewing other agents. We do want to come back and prepare a final presentation, custom plan for you. When is your last uh, appointment? Yeah, and you, you, appointment? you could be perplexed on the price. You could be like, you could be like, you know what? Uh, I'm really thinking that I might be able to get you more, but I need to do some more research. There's a way I could come back it just just for a half an hour, you know, or 20 minutes uh, after, you know, Friday after your last one, or you, you know, just think of it's kind of like, uh, you know, I remember a guy telling me when I was young, um, you know, that his trick for getting chicks would be what he would he would go visit them in their dorm room and then he would leave his jacket. So he would have to go back and be like, oh, you know, I left my jacket. So it was kind of the same thing. He'd be like, oh, you know what? I forgot to bring this. I need to come back. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's a great. And that's the point. Yeah, you can come back and say the pricing. That's a that's a perfect one. And that's another thing on this one I did wrong is I, the other party, they went in, I'm told, and had a very detailed plan. And they, it sounds like, I don't know for a fact on this, but it sounds like they did do a two-step, but it was a very short window two-step. It was like a Saturday afternoon to a Sunday morning. I mean, it was the next day two-step. It was very quick. Mm. And that's, and they felt like that makes, it's just an upper end home or under, over $500,000 house. So in, in our area, that's classified as upper end. And that makes the, that made them feel very special. The clients privileged, unique. Whereas I just basically laid it all on the table and, you know, and I had all this stuff ready when I got in there. So they're probably thinking, well, he didn't even take an account for this or that when we saw the, when he saw the house, he already had it in his hand. All these things I'm seeing, you know, that I'm like kicking myself, like, but that's the point fit when you fail or when you lose, you see all those spots where you're like, Oh, I didn't do that. And it's usually out of frankly, laziness, haste, being ill prepared. Yeah. Right. You know? And not going into it, you should go into everything like it's going to be a competitive situation because it could be, and it probably always is in some level, right? Um, whether they are openly interviewing other agents or you go and meet with them and they want to talk and then they meet someone at work and they tell them about their friend or they go to church and they see someone and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, so. Yeah, um, I, I think with a lot of agents, uh, where they go wrong with this um, is in you know, when you boil it down is, is spending their time doing the wrong stuff. Meaning they, they lose a listing in haste because they weren't as prepared or as conscious of certain things. Like you needed to connect with the guy, you needed to have some more detail, whatever it is you figured out that you did wrong. And you may have done that because of haste. Like you were busy doing other stuff. Whereas if only 
all you did was focus on what are your listing appointments today and how can you connect with them. So what about CRM and, and software and phone apps? What, what about technology you're excited about right now? So the, well, Skype, number one, this is awesome. I love Skype. Uh, I'm learning how to use this right now. But uh, Commissions Inc., we've been using for a couple of years, a lot of success. We use, in Zillow, we, we do the normal stuff with Zillow and Trulia, the, you know, and so I'm not technically, I'm not huge techie at all by any means. So I'm not going to, I don't understand a lot of the technology stuff, but I have three millennials who work in the there admin and they're, they're doing all, they're helping with all that stuff. Like we got a Pinterest now and we've got Twitter ha! and we've got Instagram and all, you know, I use Facebook just because I am on Facebook and anybody who has kids like I do, you kind of lose your social life. So, uh, I, I'm on Facebook a lot, but, uh, there's nothing that I, you know, that I'm, uh, Oh, and smart zip. I like smart zip. We just launched that and it's starting to start to get trickle in, uh, with some leads on uh, it, you know? Okay. Let's talk but, about that. What is smart zip? That is a um, mailer. I believe it's mailers that go out to certain neighborhoods or certain pockets or parts of neighborhoods, and then it targets them based on algorithms of what. Well, like Zillow uses algorithm algorithms to figure out your value. They use algorithms to figure out who's most likely to sell, and then they target them in a mailing campaign. So, if every house, if the average uh, five and a half years, everybody moves. And then I figured, hey, this dude's been in the house six years. He's beyond his due. Put him on the list. And they only mail to people they figure are going to move soon. The highest probability, yes. So they have probably hundreds or I don't know how many algorithms, algorithms yeah. they have. But they, you know, all, all the, you know, everything you could think of from age to jobs to um, time in the house to probably um, – marriages and divorces all that i don't know they probably have all yeah, that stuff in there everything. i don't know their back end but i'm sure they have a lot of that in there. and and what are you mailing them they automatically generate so the beauty of that is it's plug and plug and play essentially for me so they do the uh postcard mailing or a letter than a postcard and it's called with call to action so that you actually see all it and they have a back end system which is awesome that tells you about the person when to contact them what's going out to them what you should be doing and walking you through the the system. I did use Listing Grabber for a while, and I liked it a lot. Very similar program. I just didn't wasn't following their system. And that, part of the so for for anybody out there who's thinking of plugging into systems and doing something, all of them work. They probably all will work. It's that you have to do it. And what happens is like uh, you were talking, Pat, earlier about being overstretched and not focused. Yeah, we're all guilty of that, or at least I am as an agent, because. I could have prepared for that listing a lot better had I only been focused on listings. Yeah. I had, I'm managing a team. I have a zillion other things going on and I just went assuming I had a bad, bad move on my part. Lesson learned. But same thing with these, with smart zip and with listing grabber and comic and all these things, you can spend, you know, five, uh, 500 bucks a month or 5,000 bucks a month on these systems, but you gotta be utilizing them and following their instructions. They have plans for you laid out on exactly what to do for follow-up. If you do it, you're going to succeed at it and get something out of it. But if you don't, you know, like, like I failed to do with Listing Grabber, I wasn't able to follow up and do the exact protocols that they had, and I didn't get the return that I was that I wanted. But I did commit to six months minimum like I do for everything to give you it have a to. try. Yeah, but, you have yeah. to. You have to. And, and I think the beauty of these listing programs to get listings um, is that f I would guess that for every 30 
agents that sign up to get buyer leads, only one signs up to get listing leads because they're afraid of listings. They're afraid of the rejection, kind of like what you got last night. They're not tough enough, so they don't do it. And it's less competition for you. And I think that anybody that can focus on listings uh, over buyers is brilliant. I mean, that's yeah. that's how you do it. Um, yeah, when I started out, I was about 85, 90% buyer just because you had to be and no, and I would go on listing appointments and I was very young and they wouldn't use me. But that goes to the point of how do you get over a lost listing? It can be devastating. We all have emotions. We're all sensitive. We all have feelings. And in real estate, it's you and your business. And they, it feels like a direct rejection on you personally. And it can, and it can last. I mean, I had someone early in my career that would, it took me like months, months to get over that rejection from someone that I knew very well, you know, where it hurts and it affects your, you know, it, 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 so it's not like you're going out and you're working for, you know, Coca-Cola or some company and you're selling their product. You don't feel that when they don't use you, it's not, it's you very personal. It's very, personal. It's very personal. And to get over that, you know, and so a lot of times you can be afraid, like you said, you'd be afraid, people are afraid or agents are afraid of that rejection. Um, and it still will always hurt. You know, even if you've been doing it and you've, you know, are the most successful agent out there, it still will hurt. But how quickly can you get over it? And then more importantly, what lessons, what things will you do next time? Because that is where you learn. I'm telling you, that is where I learned. I still, you still learn it. You know, that's when you learn in the beginning when you lose out or you miss something or you don't get it. Yeah. Or now, all the way through your life, you lose something, you learn a learn. ton of stuff from it. And yeah. any any new agent should just go out there and, and do expireds and FISBOs, just getting their head kicked in and learning, you know, uh, whether they get a listing or not, because it's going to prepare them so much and make them so much more confident to get listings once they get legitimate ones. Like, not that the FISBOs and expireds aren't legitimate, but... But when they get somebody that's ready to sign, it's gonna it's just a great learning tool. So while we're talking about listings, and I love this because I want everybody to learn more about listings and buyers in general, um, take us through your listing presentation. Like how long does it take and what steps do you use in it? So we, you know, um, and again, this is all being worked on and, and can always get better, right? So you got to move forward with a plan even if it's not the best plan, but you can always make it better and add to it and systemize it and uh, improve on it. But what we do is we go to the property, confirm the appointment, number one, once you have a confirm, you know, confirm with the client, send them a confirmation email or text, whatever they prefer, or call. And then ask any questions or qualifications without being overbearing at that time. And that's a, that's a real thing you know, when you're asking from them or when you're not asking enough uh, from them when you go to the appointment or before the appointment. And then go to the appointment, meet and greet. I usually tend to talk for a little bit right there, just saying hi and, and talking about stuff, and then say, hey, let's go through. I'm going to take down some, you mind if I take down some notes? And I have a paper and pen in my hand as we walk through the house, and I am physically writing down things. That so you're writing down, a lot of agents I talk to, they just write down a bunch of jibber-jabber, right, just to impress the seller, make them think. <laughs> so you're, you're actually writing down real stuff? One of my gifts is I could, if there's a flaw, and my wife loves this gift about me, but if I see a flaw or something out of place, I can pick it up. It just comes out and just, just jumps out at me. 
So, so what do you, what do you do it. now? It, do you just so I write it down? Like, hey, I look at the little detail. Like, you can see details on trim. You can see details on paint or fixtures, or and I have a great, great memory. So I see these things, and I write them down, and I write the positives down too. Like I'm a senior. Oh wow! Now, do look, you tell them about the flaw, or do you wait until after? Oh, yeah, yeah. You no, know, no, it's I, signed. I if they point it out and they're walking through and they acknowledge something, then I still write it down. But but I wait until uh, we chat afterwards. You know, then I talk to then we talk about those things. One 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 agent tells me he just stops and. Stares at it, doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then they go, funny. "Should I fix that?" Then they ask you, "Should I fix That's that?" That's a good and, point. And then yeah. he, uh, you know, like yeah. you look like you're contemplating your this bad paint job or something, or it's bad part of the wall. And then it's coming from them, not you. Like, should, yeah, should I do something about that? I just noticed that. Or, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, there's so much about our own house that we forget about or, or don't even notice. You know. Yeah, and the other thing is too is everybody's different. So, I, like, the, I was at two appointments yesterday. One of them, an estate, and uh, they inherited it, and it was a disaster, disaster, absolute mess. Uh, they're planning on doing nothing. You already told me they wanted as is. Well, I'm just writing down notes for my own self at that point to to see, you know, who I may know in my sphere that would buy it. But anyway, after we walk through, we'll walk through uh, the property. I take notes down. We'll sit down, and. Um, and then go through the uh, listing presentation, talking about brokerage, the marketing that we do, things like that. A plan, 12-step plan of what we're going to do to sell the house, what's important to them if they do or don't want open houses, if they mind if we pre-market the house or not. We've had great success with that this year with the market the way it is. And then ask questions about their goals. So what's their goal? Timing-wise, uh, price-wise. And I like to get them to say a price. Now, I'll write down a price. So I'll have a CMA even, and I'll write down a range, a pretty tight range on a piece of paper. So if they're hesitant to give me their number, because I say, hey, most sellers have an idea. They've looked around, or you have an idea what your home is worth or what you would like for your home. Would you mind sharing what that is? And then they'll say, well, you first. And I'll, and <laughs> I'll go, well, I'll tell you what. I'll write mine down right now. I'm writing it down. It's in pen. Can I be changed? Now will you share yours? Because I've lost listings by, and I've learned this is a lesson learned. I've lost listings because I share my number first. And anytime you give your number first, do you think that they are maybe sometimes not going to give you their number that they did have in mind? You're darn right. And they'll say, oh, and then two weeks later, it's listed with someone else for 25000 high. Right, or, right. So I never, I try never, never, never to give my number first because even if I write down a number that, let's say, Pat, you give me a number and it's 450,000. Yeah. But I, and I wrote, let's say I wrote down 430. Um, let's say I wrote down 410 or 400 to 410. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Guess what, though? You're out of there. Not, I yeah. know your number, though, right? You can change it. No, you so can't I, change so it. So I know your number now. So I can go back now and I can massage and work together to try to get that listing. Whereas if I just spew out my number of 400 to 410 and you had 450 in your head, you're going to be embarrassed. To probably tell, a seller would not want to tell me the 450. And the next agent who comes in and says, hey, what's your number? And they and they get the number from the client first. They might get the listing of 450. And it might sell right now. Things are selling for way more than I thought. Yeah. They, that even me and in, in the business thinks they sell sometimes. I, I, sometimes. I, I, I think you got to ask them on the phone if you, if you can. And, and if they're reluctant... 
you can say stuff like, well, your tax record and, and your Zestimate, your tax record says 410, but your Zestimate is 450 and see what they say. I think we're stupid to assume that, number one, they don't know, and number two, that they don't look at their Zestimate or their tax oh, record. Oh, they have a Everybody does. If they're yeah. serious and they have you in front of them, they already looked up stuff. They already have a number in their head. And the other thing, too, is if I have 400 to 410 and you have 450, now we have something to talk about. So I can say, hey, Pat, I have 400 to 410. Here's why. I'm just curious on your end. You said 450. What brought you to that number? What's your, what's your, now we have a dialogue. Now we have an engagement. Now we can actually come to something together. And maybe we settle at 425 or 429 or 419. You know, But I have a shot. The point is you want a shot. You want to have a chance. If you spew out your number and they get it out of you first, you probably will never hear their real number. And you may, you'll be in the dark. You'll never know if you actually hit it perfect or if you are way off and the, and the, and the next guy or girl that comes in is going to get it, you know, uh, or probably going to get it or has a chance of getting it, you know. So that's the last thing I do. And then the other thing I wanted that I learned just from this last appointment that I lost is ask if there's other appointments. You should do that as soon as possible. But I, I just thought of this, and I don't know, maybe, Pat, you can tell me if this is even allowed or legitimate or something that can be said, but I was thinking maybe saying something like, Hey, you just had me in here. I learned all about you, your house, what price you're thinking about and all the motivations of why you're moving. Now you're going to have how many other brokers? Oh, three other brokers. So you're doing four different brokers. Okay. Mm. So you're going to pick one of them, right? Three people are going to be losing and not get it. But yet those three people, those three parties are going to know everything about your house, your motivation, your pricing. Now, it may not be in, your, be in your best interest to be interviewing that many people because now they don't owe you fiduciary duty and they know about your house. And they're going to be pissed that you fought, that you didn't pick them. Yeah, and you didn't pick them. So is it really in your best interest to interview that many do we even need to interview any more? Do you feel comfortable with what we presented in front of you and our, our quality and our company and all that? I mean, that's what I should have done maybe last time too. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can it, test it, and try out, you know. Especially um, with the internet tools that are available now and the consumer's belief in them and their accuracy. Because, you know, there was a time when the estimates were a disaster. But, you know, like you said, with the algorithms, they're getting better and better. I just don't like to admit it. But these tools online are getting better and better and better. So a seller could probably come up with their price very close to what the agents are going to tell them anyways. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very true. I see it all the time. And that's uh, a testament to Zillow. And they're getting very, very close in, in many cases. They're still always the one-offs or the ones that are on the outskirts where they're right. completely. But but on a, on, on a neighborhood level where it's a standard neighborhood with similar houses similar time frame similar built time frame it's their and their their range is 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 close i mean it it's it can be very very close i, I know one guy out. um saul z who basically keeps track of all the zestimates to actual prices so you know he'll the, oh you, you know nice. so he so he keeps track so if it's like 98.7 he'll say okay well yours estimate is here the last 20 houses that have sold in your zip code have been at 98.7% of Zestimate. Wow. 98.7% of your Zestimate is this price. That's what you're worth. That's, that's, his, yeah. whole, that's his whole CMA. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's easy. That didn't 
simplify and use Zillow to your advantage. It's awesome. So, uh, Jason, tell me about the newsletter that you've been doing. You're excited about that. Why? Well, so there's two agents up here. One uh, agent with Remax results out of Blaine. One Remax results out of Plymouth. And myself, I'm in Edina. We don't really step on each other's toes that much because we're in different areas. And uh, we get together for um, uh, brainstorming occasionally, like twice, maybe three times a year. And they're doing a publication through Discover Pubs uh, for uh, target marketing or um, farming in specific cities. So they, one guy has the entire city of Blaine, another guy has the entire city of Plymouth. I bought the entire city of Edina here. And that is to, it can make you an instant, instantly credible and in front of thousands of people just like that and They'll see you around even at the grocery store. What is or, it? What is it, though? Uh, it's a 12-page newspaper. A 12-page – does it have news in it? Uh, articles. They provide stock content for you. You can take that out. My recommendation, and we've discovered this, is to take out and leave about half stock content from them, generic kind of stuff, but still good articles and good content, and then customize the other half with local stuff from either your local chamber – your local library, your local public school system, your local board of realtors, whatever, what, and more local you can get with local businesses and local content, the more people buy into it and are, are saying, hey, please keep sending this to me. I've never received a local paper before, or we don't have that, or it doesn't. And this goes right to the door in the mailbox. This doesn't get thrown on so, the So, so what, what's the name of the company that's, that does all this for you? Uh, Discover Publications. And do they do it, uh, you know, anywhere? Pretty much anywhere, yeah. They use uh, mail routes, and Allie there is great. She's she's the one who I work with, and I think she's the, the rep for so, them. And So, the so they cost, help you put it all – yeah, what's it cost? They put it all together. The cost is great. The cost is tiered based on the amount of volume or publications you do. You can do as little as, I think, a couple thousand maybe to a neighborhood, a specific neighborhood, or as much as I think one guy somewhere I just saw on the, on the Facebook page does 40000 a month. Uh, papers out to an entire city. Uh, I'm in the, about the twenty twenty six thousand dollar or twenty six thousand mailing range, and that's about I, ballpark is around fifty cents a pop. So from mm. a cost standpoint, it's very effective for fifty cents to get a twelve page paper because postage stamp is I don't even know what a postage stamp costs. So that includes postage. That includes po- mailing oh, okay. and everything. Well, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah, that's no, not bad, bad at all. Uh, but when you add when you get to the twenty six thousand mailings, that's still thirteen thousand. Now if you do 5,000 mailings and you get all that done for, right. you know, I don't know, three, th- I mean, it's still, it's, it's a, uh, it's a good target market and it's consistent and it's more powerful than the postcards or the recipes or the things like that. This, I go to houses and people have these stacked up. Yeah. There's a guy who has, there's a guy who's been in it for much longer than I have. He'll go to the listing appointment and they'll have four years of paper stacked up he's only been doing it for two one great thing to put in there is like market stats or like a cma yes. of their zip code yes yeah and that's not for everybody that's for you have to have some resources to do that but if you do want to start small even and go that's been very successful in brand and name recognition and also getting leads the other thing that i tie into that is the um tom ferry has this uh system where you can go on and find it you get evaluations sent to you like Zillow and a couple others like basically like a glorified Zillow but you can change the domains on it so we target the domains to the city and then put that in there and we get a lot of traffic and a lot of leads on that where they're actually going to inquiring in about 
the value of their home, whether they're just curious as an option, refinancing or selling, and they'll put that in there. You yeah. Know, but uh, well, the great part about all these things is that you know, again, you're you're going after listings. You know, buyers like Tim Harris always says buyers are a byproduct. You know, that's that's what they are. Go after listings first, and you'll get the buyers. So, Jason, let's wrap this up with our um, flagship question here. And is that okay? And that is, um, let's say I took you and I put you on a reality TV show similar to Survivor, and I put you on with nine other agents, all on an island. Uh, but this is an island that's not deserted. There's people buying and selling stuff. There's uh, money flowing. Um, but you don't know anybody. You have $500 cash. You have a cell phone and a laptop computer. The agent who sells the least amount of houses gets thrown off the island. The agent who sells the most amount of houses uh, wins the show. How are you going to win this show? Uh, does everybody have their clothes on in this island? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I didn't know what type of show you're talking about, but I know it's a lot of shit. Yeah, I uh, saw that naked dating. <laughs> that is the most ridiculous show ever. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but nothing fancy. I mean, I'm not a flashy, fancy guy. I would. The, what I've learned through the years that I've been doing it is that if you have little money, but you have high motivation and you have to win and make money, then you call and you call and you call, probably 100 calls or more a day. And I would just do the listings. I'd do exactly what you said. Listings are more powerful than than buyers. So I'd go for the expireds and FISBOs and I'd use my money to get some expired and FISBO leads and just call, 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 because that's the biggest fear of agents too, is calling. Rejection is a big fear of everybody. Call rejection is, is intimidating and listing rejection is intimidating. If you can get over those two things and do them and just blow it off, blow off the rejection and learn to blow it off and not take it personally, and then praise and reward yourself heavily for the wins when you get them, then it's all worth it because last night I was devastated by the listing loss. Well, today I just got a buyer that uh, accepted an offer and we've got other, you know Boom. what I mean? So yeah. you're over it. Okay, next. Okay, and you learn, in again, you learn from that. But uh, that's what I would do. I do calling, 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 just pound the phones, pound the phones of expireds and fizzbos. Yeah, way to go. Well, listen, bud, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time out today and uh, coming on the show. And I welcome you back anytime. I'm going to put all of Jason's information and, and meat and potatoes that he offered today on hybendigital.com backslash Jason Stockwell, S-T-O-C-K-W-E-L-L. -L. Jason, thanks a lot, buddy. And next time I'm in the Twin Cities, we'll get together and break some bread, buddy. I'd love to, man. Thanks, Pat. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this session of Real Estate Rockstars. I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.